everyone. Welcome back to the Bitchipedia podcast. I'm your host, Dahlia, and I don't really have a plan for this episode. It's more of like a check-in. Um, I might do another episode this week, but I don't know. I was just feeling like I wanted to talk to you guys. I wanted to check in and let you know how everything's going because last week was a really intense episode for me. It was difficult for me to talk about. And if you haven't listened, it was about me talking about, you know, autism and how I'm, I found out that I was autistic, you know, 32 years into my life and how that's kind of changed everything. And I decided within the last week, honestly, <laughs> to stop masking. And I've been kind of treating it like a science experiment. And it's been hard for me to um, come out of the neurodivergent closet, as I said in the last episode. It's been kind of difficult for me to unmask because really, I didn't know who I was if I wasn't masking. And I kind of still don't. But I think the whole point of life is to go through it and kind of figure out who you are. I don't know that a lot of people actually know. And I know because we have, you know, midlife crisis, quarter life crisis, the pandemic, like all of these major events kind of hit people and let them know I'm not who I thought I was, you know, like, or I'm evolved past who I thought I was. And it can be scary. Like it can be terrifying. And for me, thinking about pulling the mask off, I actually drew a picture and it's kind of become like a project for me. I'm looking at the picture right now and I was trying to describe it to my friend BB, who has been on the podcast before. Um, she's like a spiritual guru. I was telling her that when I pictured masking in general, it looks like there's this like red hood this like hooded figure and where the face is supposed to be, there's this blackness. And I picture these like masks. They all have different faces, but to me, they're all kind of the same. You know, they are all like shaped the same. They're all the same color. They're all white. And then they come over my face and then I'll switch, you know, they're interchangeable. And I actually wrote this journal entry, which I could maybe share it later. Um, I'm not, I don't think I'm going to do it today, but the hooded figure, I was trying to describe it to Bibi and I was like, what happens when you take the mask off? Like what's under there? There's nothing under there. And I realized that that big gaping hole that I'm trying to fill is like that void. You know, we talk about creating space and trying to make room for your new manifestations. And I have cleared out a lot of things you know, the easy buttons as Glennon Doyle calls them. So that's the things that we would resort to when we're feeling um, vulnerable or when we're trying to really repress emotions, right? So, you know, sadness comes up and you text a friend, you're like, hey, what are you doing? Let's go get a drink. You know, obviously there are times when that's an okay thing to do, but just noticing what's going on behind it, um, and why you're reaching for it. You know, is it because you're sad and you're pushing sadness away and you're trying to like compartmentalize? And I've been working on that, but I did clear out a lot of room and a lot of space. And that's kind of what that hole in the mask feels like is like, 
it's this empty space. And I realized that that was vulnerability. Like that's what, that's the image that comes to my head when I think about what vulnerability looks like. It's this big, it's like an open wound, you know, rather than putting a Band-Aid on top of it and protecting it, I'm opening myself up. And the Band-Aid is the mask, right? The mask that I have to put on. For people to think that I'm happy all the time and I'm bubbly because I'm not like, obviously, that's a big part of me. But again, I didn't know how much of that I developed as like a protection mechanism, you know, because as a girl, you're told, you know, you need to smile more and you need to be happy and bubbly and charming. And I, I am those things like it. It's I'm not faking it 100% of the time. But there are times that I was faking it for sure because it made people uncomfortable for me to not smile or to look sad. You know, they want you to be happy. So to make everyone else comfortable, I was putting that happy mask on. But it's me. That's what's creating that discomfort, right? It's like cognitive dissonance. It's, you know, I've got these two conflicting feelings going on. Because everyone wants me to be happy and I'm pretending to be happy and I'm smiling and yay. But behind it, it feels like misery. So like I said, when I decided, okay, I'm not, I don't want to mask anymore. I took that mask off. And when I did, that black hole in the hood, you know, the metaphor of me and my vulnerability was exposed. And it's terrifying So rather than shaming myself for not just immediately taking the mask off and walking around like, hey, here I am, my authentic self, this is me, you know, rather than shaming myself for not immediately doing that, I would reward myself for every time I let the mask slip off and I let people see my true self, even if it was terrifying. And that can look like eye contact, you know, like that was a big one for me was like eye contact is difficult for me sometimes. Um, so I would practice that, you know, making eye contact, looking at people and staring them in the eyes. And rather than me looking at them for five seconds and then looking down and being like, you didn't do it. You failed. I would say, good job. Five seconds, (laughs) five seconds. You did great. Next time we'll do six, you know, and that idea I saw, it was a TikTok video talking about doing 1% better every day, because if you do. 1% better every day for 30 days, then after a month, you're 30% better. And that seems so logical, right? But we get in our heads, especially people, you know, like me. And if you're listening out there and this resonates with you, like perfectionism, you know, you want to make these huge jumps and it's just not, it's just not always possible. And that actually brings me to the second thing, which really when I sat down, what I want to talk about was the update on the 30 days of yoga, because it's now been a week. And for those of you who don't know, I'm doing the 30 days of yoga with Adrian. It's like a challenge to myself, 30 days, no missed days. And this is the second time I did it. The first time I did it, I recorded a podcast, but I waited until I was completely done. And part of the reason I waited until I was done was because like, well, if I fail, I don't have to talk about it, right? So this was me showing vulnerability. Also, again, you know, with saying I'm going to do it before I'm finished, like a work in progress. I don't show people my works in progress. And honestly, I don't usually have works in progress because I will sit down and if I can't knock it out in one day, uh, I usually don't do it. You know, (laughs) 
just fact of the matter. Um, I don't know if it boils down to commitment issues. I don't know what the real issue is, but for whatever reason, you know, like an art project, I would never, I would never paint something and work on a painting. I will never say never, but for the most part, I'm not going to sit down and paint something unless I have a whole day to paint it and I commit to the idea. And then if I don't finish it in a day, I, I usually just don't come back to it. Um, and that's something I've noticed too. Like I'm building awareness on that, but through my 30 days, I said, I'm going to talk about it. And that's kind of putting myself out there because if I fail in the middle of it, I'm just going to have to tell everyone. Um, and that's okay because, you know, it's okay to let people see your failures. But the second part of what I wanted to integrate this time was journaling because last time I, I, I said that I wished I would have done it the entire time. Um, because I, I wrote down, it was maybe like five days total, just kind of scattered through, you know, with updates about how I was feeling. So this time I said, I'm going to do it. And it doesn't have to be this big thing. Like even because this is what I was telling people, my friends who I told to do it, I was like, journal every day, it's going to take it to the next level. Even if all you write is, I didn't feel like doing this today, you know, that's okay. Just kind of seeing because it tells you so much about yourself like watching myself go through this process teaches me so much and everything I mean they say what happens on the mat is a reflection of what's happening off the mat right so yoga is just a metaphor for what's going on in your life so for instance me not wanting to start back at day one because I did not want to like I am doing this because I have something to prove to myself, but I, I don't want to. And the first time I did it, it was to prove consistency. And the second time that I'm doing it this time is to prove my to prove to myself that I can do something more than once, which <laughs> I don't know for sure if I can. I don't know. Like we'll, we'll, we'll get to the end of the 30 days and we will all know together, but you know, that idea of like, can lightning strike twice? I don't know. And I think that, you know, I talked about on the last episode that um, someone had commented on a TikTok video that I made that was like, you know, I used to be afraid of selling my art, but it was because I was afraid, you know, there was a fear that I couldn't recreate. And that really resonated with me. And I was like, fuck, I think that's what it is. Like, I think it may be because I have imposter syndrome. And I think all of my success is a fluke. Like, So I'm going through this trying to prove to myself and I'm integrating this time I'm integrating the journaling days and there have been two days that I missed um, that I went back and wrote the next morning how I was feeling because you know I did meditations and things like that with it so I remembered luckily but I there have been days that I um the things that I wrote down was like I don't want to do this I don't want to do this and I can go back through I'm looking at them now I can go back through um Because day one, actually, I don't have a day one. I wrote it down as the podcast notes for the last podcast. So it's officially been a week. And when I look back through the days of how I felt from day to day, it changes so much. And it just encourages me to remember that, like, the whole journey was not sunny. I remember that now, you know. Because when I look back on it now, I'm like, or, you know, before I started redoing the challenge. Because it's the same videos. It's the exact same video series. She has a lot of 30 days. Um, it's Yoga with Adrian. She has a lot of 30 day series. 
but this is the first one, the original one. And this is the one that I did last time. So like going through this challenge now as a yoga teacher, like certified to teach is wild to me. So I'm revisiting something that this was before I was ever certified. This was like the beginning of my yoga journey and I'm remembering it. And it's coming back to me now that like, yes, it was this huge monumental experience for me. Truly, like truly monumental life-changing experience for me. But it's easy for me to remember that because I ended on day 29 and 30. They were fantastic. And I remember the day that I got hurt and I took care of myself and did what I needed to do so I could get back out there. And that's inspiring. But like, what about the days in between where I just didn't feel like it? Because <laughs> you forget, like I forgot. I There were definitely days when I did not feel like it. And, you know, we've been talking so much about, and I've been studying so much about feminine energy and like not forcing things. So it's hard for me to find that balance of, you know, when do I do things that I don't want to do? And when is that pushing against, you know, like, because I, I, I haven't really found that balance. And I was listening to Nate Ortiz talk about that. You know, he's talking about respecting the seasons and how when you're in a winter and a summer and a spring, whatever, like the winter is a time when you need, think like bears, hibernate. You go into your own little den and no matter what you do, it doesn't matter. Like it's winter. Your efforts will be futile. There are some times when the universe is telling you to rest and you need to rest. So when you respect that rest, I think things work out better for us but at what time because not every winter lasts forever or no winter lasts forever right so you need to change and evolve because it's not always winter and I could kind of feel myself because I did I rested and it was hard and I'm I think I'm coming through it but he talked about how summer is the time when you're having you know think like sunny and energetic and things like that like that's when you have the most uh, manifestations and things like that coming through where it's just like one thing after another after another and you're just collecting all of your manifestations and doing all this hard work and this kind of masculine energy but before that you don't jump just directly from winter to summer we have to go through spring so I said okay well I'm gonna peek my head out of the feminine closet <laughs> the feminine energy closet I'll peek my head out and just start dipping my toe in the water, you know, and don't do anything that doesn't feel good after it's done. Because that's the thing, like the 20 minutes of yoga, before I do it, I dread it. And then after I do it, and in the middle of it, sometimes I dread it. But then when I'm done, I feel that sense of achievement. And that's what I tried to remember is like, it doesn't always feel good when you do it, but you can tell the difference between, you know, like when you're exercising and you're working out and you're lifting weights, like this sucks, but you're not, you know, tearing muscles because that's a different feeling. You understand what I'm saying? And they talk about it in yoga. Adrian calls it the comfortable edge, like meeting your comfortable edge because there's that feeling of discomfort and you're not in pain, but you're uncomfortable. So finding that discomfort and breathing into it. That's what they tell you with yoga, right? Find your comfortable edge. Take a big inhale and breathe into those tight spots. So the, the area where you're feeling the most pain. Send the breath to it. Big inhale in. And as you exhale, you smooth into that pose. 
you understand what I'm saying? The breath takes you further. So same thing here. And yoga means union. And I, I forgot that, honestly, but it's the marrying of the masculine energy, the feminine you know, the top of the body is the feminine, the bottom is the masculine. So when you think of the body as one big moving part rather than just the top or just the bottom, that's yoga, union of the breath with the action, the feminine with the masculine, the yin, the yang, all those things coming together, right? So fully embodying those things um, is difficult. So when I thought about it, you know, the metaphor that is yoga and life, okay, we find those difficult areas, we take a breath, a real breath, like physically take, actually do it now. I'm serious. Take a big inhale and fill. So when I tell my yoga students, the belly, breathe down into the belly. You want to feel your rib cage expand, the bottom of your belly, inhale and expand before the chest. Okay. So if you're limiting your breath, I feel like I'm in yoga teacher mode right now. If you're restricting the breath just to the chest, that can make anxiety worse. So when you're having a panic attack, I know the last thing that people want to hear is like, just breathe, but it really does. It physically slows down the nervous system and relaxes you. Okay. So breathe deep into the belly, take a big breath in. Hold your breath when you get to the top and exhale. Let it go. The navel draws in as you exhale. So you imagine forcing all that old energy out. You're just expelling and releasing anything that you don't need. And that's what today's yoga class felt like. And I'll tell you, I can write down. I mean, I wrote down um, what I was thinking. And I can read it to you, actually. Um, so this is an example of the journal entry that I would have done. Day eight of yoga. 28-minute practice. At first, I was dreading it. I showered and got ready before my practice, which sometimes makes me worry because I worry if I don't do it first thing in the morning that I won't do it. But I did. It's literally freezing outside, so I was happy to have an exercise substitute for my walk. I feel very connected today, very grateful. I'm seeing yellow everywhere. I feel pretty and playful. I noticed I was going through the motions So I tried to be really present and I forgot how much that changes. I'm so happy I chose to do this again. Now, I don't know why when I read that, I was like, ew. (laughs) Not about what I wrote, but just like sharing it. And it takes me back to that picture I was talking about, like the black, the mask coming off of that black hole and me exposing myself. And I get on here and I talk about some of the most vulnerable things And I don't know what, um, if there is a system to what's, you know, when I share and when I don't, I don't know it. But just me reading a journal entry made me feel very vulnerable. And I'm noticing it, right? So this would be a time you're seeing it in real life, in real time. I'm finishing, like I read this to you and I can feel that gross feeling of vulnerability. But... Brene Brown, I just watched a TED Talk of hers the other day that was talking about vulnerability and how you can't have love and happiness and all those feelings if you're closing your heart off because you're afraid of experiencing the bad. So rather than feeling the bad and the good, you just experience nothing. You experience, you know, depression, feelings of emptiness and loneliness, and you're holding it in. So I don't, and I think I talked about all that, all of that on the podcast last week, but, you know, I am not afraid to feel sadness. And well, I am afraid, but the risk does not outweigh the reward. 
And when I think about doing yoga, I looked back on my past self and told her, because I was still like smoking then, you know, like I have changed so much about myself because that's been maybe a year and a half since I did um, the 30 days. And I've changed so much as a person, but I have so much respect for that past version of me because she didn't know what it felt like to get to day 30. She didn't know how good day 29 and day 30 were. And those are my driving forces right now is like, yeah, it sucks right now, but just think about how good it felt last time when you overcame that, you know, and she didn't have that promise. I might start crying. What is wrong with me? She didn't have that promise of it's going to feel good. You know, that was a time that I kind of stepped into the unknown and it paid off and it may seem like something so small because it's, you know, it's yoga. It's, you know, stretching for 30 minutes a day is what you would think, but it is so, so, so much more than that. And I do feel like I wrote in my journal, you know, I do feel connected and I feel grateful and it's been a while since I felt that way. I don't know what's wrong with me. I feel like I'm just on the verge of tears. I'll probably go cry after um, I record this. <laughs> but it feels so nice to reconnect because I was kind of going through the motions, not just with yoga, but in life. You know, it gets, you reach stagnancy. And even though you're doing the same thing and things that could be healthy, like my, you know, going for my walk and you know, exercise and eating right and cooking and doing all these things. But if you get too stuck in that routine, it's easy to kind of lose the magic of it. Do you understand what I'm saying? So like with yoga, again, think of it as a metaphor. We're on the mat and you don't even have to do yoga to understand any of this. Like I think everyone should do yoga, but you don't have to understand that there's a correlation between, you know, how you act on the mat versus how you don't. And when I look at, um, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm so all over the place right now, but it's just where I'm at. Like, I don't know. <laughs> when you look at like my friend who wants to get back on, uh, she wants to do yoga and she wants to hop in and start doing inversions like upside down, you know, that's wanting to skip steps. I wanted to jump to the end. Like I, I am very guilty of that as well, you know? So when I, this is what I was saying earlier, when I wanted to go back and do the 30 days again, I didn't want to start at day one. And I don't really know what the fear of that was. I might actually have that on my day two. Um, Oh my gosh. Okay. Actually, I do want to read this because this is day two. I went to a state, there's a state park down here where I live and I went to, it's like 20 minutes away, but I drove to it and it was so incredible. And I finished it and I wrote this. I said, uh, I'm writing this as I lie in a beam of sun peeking through the trees on a yoga mat next to a lake. And all I can think is I almost didn't come. This is the same way I felt in New York. I'm so glad I put in the effort, even though I wrestled with it all day. <laughs> now I'm going to have a snack, some water, and lay next to the water and read my book. Luxury. And I drew little stars all around it because, like, I felt incredible. And that's when I tried to remember. Like, I really, I remember getting to New York and saying, I almost didn't come here. Like, I almost didn't come here. And I want you to remind yourself every time 
you experienced something that you love that you almost didn't do because whether that be because you were afraid or because, you know, finances or whatever, whenever you take a leap of faith, I just encourage you to really sit in that moment of gratitude as it's happening. And that's what I'm trying to do now, even though it's only day eight, like I'm not done, you know, but again, metaphor in life, we never are like, we never stop growing. There is no finish line that we're trying to get to, you know, like we have to enjoy the process. And if I, get to the end of day 30, it is going to be amazing regardless because I will have shown up for myself for 30 days. But you can take it to another level because if you put in the hard work, I mean, you know the difference between getting something that you earned and getting something that you didn't. They feel different inherently. They feel different. Having something like a car bought for you versus going to work every day and, you know, pushing yourself and then you take that money that you made and you set it down and you purchase it. Like, that's a different feeling. That's pride. You know, like you're proud of yourself and that's a great feeling. So either way, yes, I'm going to be proud of myself when I make it through, when I make it through these 30 days, not if, but why wouldn't I enjoy or try my best to enjoy every day leading up to it? Because it's not just about day 30, you know, day eight, this day was amazing. Day eight was amazing. And she talks about, you know, she calls it every day eight. It's like day eight, feel great, meditate. So it was like a moving meditation. And I realized that there are some days that, yes, you want to have those active yoga classes and things but like slowing it down and just enjoying sitting in it even though it's uncomfortable at first because even some of the sitting positions like sukhasana is the traditional like crisscross applesauce sitting with the legs crossed sukhasana means easy pose and it's not necessarily easy i've got really tight psoas muscles so that's the muscle that goes from your back through your hip it's called the muscle of the soul it's the biggest one p s O-A-S, so as. You should look it up. If you haven't heard about it, yeah, definitely should. Uh, but it's what connects your upper body to your lower body. So LOL, of course, that's what, <laughs> that was the muscle that was like the most sore. But when you sit up, it's difficult in the beginning, you know? So like some of the postures get easier. And I remember, and I tell my students, downward dog, everyone, I feel like everyone knows downward dog, is a resting posture. But in the beginning, it does not feel like a resting posture. It is difficult but once you start learning those little ways to change, you know, and you you do, you grow your practice. And it's not about that. You know, we're not getting to an end stage, like I said. But making those little changes, you focus on them one at a time. And then you start making those different small changes and kind of integrating like, okay, so, you know, this I rotate my shoulders out. All right, well, oh. Press evenly into both palms. Well, now my heels are coming up. That's okay. Sit bones up, you know, and you make all these little adjustments. And at first, it's really, really difficult. It's really overwhelming. And that's, again, the metaphor of life. You have all of these things. You can't just jump in and make all these changes overnight. That's why I said the 1% better every day. Like, just focus on the 1%. Just focus on doing what you can do. 1%. 1%. Like, Do not be so hard on yourself. Do something 1% different than what you did yesterday to get closer to the goal, your end goal. So journaling would be an example of that. Like the journaling, integrating the journaling into the yoga practice. That takes it up a level because I have grown, right? Last time I didn't do anything with yoga. This time, 
It's like, okay, well, you did that. So maybe this time we journal. And I'm not guilting myself. Like I said, there are days that I skipped. And the next day I wrote, you know, I think there was two days that I skipped. And I wrote it in afterwards. And normal perfectionist me would have guilted and shamed myself over that and thought I was like a failure. But no, like nothing's that serious, you know, like I'm, I'm doing the journaling for my benefit, you know? So when I'm writing it, it's so that I can like what I just did, I can look back because there are days, like I said, you kind of romanticize the whole thing. So it, it can discourage other people from starting because when they're going through their 30 days, if all they hear is maybe like, Oh, it's beautiful. And I love being consistent. And they're like, well, it sucks for me. So I must be doing something wrong. You know, it's, so I want to encourage everyone that like the process of anything, getting from the beginning to the end and growing your practice and becoming better at something, whatever skill that is, whatever skill that is, you know, sports, um, like learning to skate, learning a new job, learning, you know, what to do with social media, figuring out how to make a fucking podcast. Like I didn't know how to make a podcast and I'm terrified to listen back to the beginning episodes of this because like, ooh, to see the past self, which I'm trying to change that too, because seeing my past self and being like ashamed of it, you know, I don't want to do that. I want to look at it and be like, you are someone who didn't even know, like all you had was a computer and this little microphone that one of your friends brought you, which right now, by the way, I'm doing this on my cell phone in a closet. So like, (laughs) some things never change, but I'd rather than looking back at that old version and saying like, these episodes suck, you know, it's like, look back on it and say, oh my God, she didn't know anything. And she still did her best to grow and integrate and you do slowly integrate like you know I'm taking different things and I'm working on a lot of different things like I'm spread pretty thin but it's because I'm trying to figure out who I am you know and we talked about that and I don't want to judge myself harshly because getting rid of that mindset that there is a finish line takes away a lot of the pressure you know there is nothing that I am working toward other than being in the present moment and enjoying each moment, whatever that looks like, whatever that looks like. And that doesn't mean I'm going to enjoy every moment and every moment is going to be bliss, but I get back into happiness way more quickly when I stop resisting how I'm feeling. And when I stop masking and pretending to be happy when I'm not, because that, that discrepancy of the vibration or the, you know, the feeling of happiness versus the feeling of sadness are far away from each other. And when you feel far away from your goal or, you know, your desired emotion in this case, it, you feel discomfort because you feel like you're not where you're supposed to be. So rather than guilting yourself over that, turn it around and say, okay, this is how I'm feeling today. I'm not going to pretend to be anything other than that. Do you understand? Because if no one else is going to give you permission to do that, I am going to give you permission to do that. Now, obviously, that doesn't mean go around acting like an asshole to everyone. But setting boundaries does not make you an asshole. And feeling your feelings does not make you an asshole. I told this to my son the other day. He's seven years old. He'll be eight. And oh, my God, four days. Oh, my God. 
don't want to talk about it. I've got anxiety. Um, but I told him the other day because he is, I mean, he's an emotional kid, like not in a bad way. I don't even want to say an emotional kid. He's very good at feeling his feelings. That's what I told him the other day. He was sitting down eating and I walked over to him. I was like, Hey, you're really good at feeling your feelings. You know, when you get sad, you cry. When you're happy, you're happy. Don't ever let anyone tell you to do it any other way. You know, I told him about how if you don't feel your feelings, you get sick. And obviously, I, you know, he's seven. I'm <laughs> trying to describe it in the best way. But I was like, you know, if, when you don't feel your feelings, they get stuck in your body and they can make you sick. So if anyone tries to tell you not to feel your feelings, don't listen to them. Okay? Like, obviously, there's a time and a place for, like, meltdowns. But the thing is, you don't have those kind of meltdowns. When you're just feeling your feelings. And he does. Like, he does a great job of it. And I told his teacher once, which you already know about like, teacher trauma. His, and I don't, I don't agree with the way his... It's not his teacher. It's his daycare teacher. Um, But he was telling me, like, every day that I would come pick up Maddox. He was like, you know, he's having these... Um, these moments where he's getting sad and he's crying and blah, blah, blah. And I'm talking and, and he was pulling me aside and I could tell, I just remember being a kid and having a teacher talk to my mom felt so uncomfortable and honestly traumatizing for me. Like I didn't like them telling her things because I've, I mean, I was mishandled with school and obviously it makes sense now because I was neurodivergent, you know, raised neurotypical. And schools don't know how to handle neurodivergent kids, or at least they didn't back in fucking 1998, you know. Um, but I remember the feeling of having a teacher, you know, talk about things that were going on throughout my day and then not being defended. And then I, there were also times where I was defended. So I remember those times that I was defended feeling amazing. And it was like, my mom loves me no matter what. She has my back no matter what, you know. And you feel safe. So... I remember when he, you know, I would come pick him up and he's like, oh, he's having all these bad days. And I was like, okay. And I just remember looking at Maddox and looking, he was looking at me looking for my reaction to see if he was in trouble or not, right? For feeling his feelings, okay? So I was like, all right. The, about the third time in a week that he said it, I said, can I be honest with you? This doesn't help. Like, I understand that he, you know, if he has tantrums, obviously, you know, you can discipline a child. There's a difference. But I'm very much a gentle parent. And I don't want to apologize for that anymore. Like, that's the opposite of how I was raised and how I think a lot of people in my generation were raised. But I love the change that I feel like parents are making now, like gentle parenting. And I actually saw a TikTok the other day. It was talking about spanking kids. And it was a guy who was a, he was a therapist. And he was interviewing people in public and he was talking about, you know, is spanking children okay? And one guy said, I think it's okay. You know, my parents spanked me and look how I turned out. And the man took the belt and handed it to the other guy who said he had been uh, spanked. And he said, hit me as hard as your parents would hit you. And he said, no. And he said, why not? And he said, because I don't want to get charged with assault. And the therapist said, so... If you hit an adult, it's assault. If you hit an animal, it's animal abuse. But if you hit a child, it's discipline. Like, make it make sense, you know? So, I don't want to, and I don't spank my kids, or my kid. 
Um, but I know that there are, I don't know, there are a lot of people who do and believe in it, but I am here to firmly stand against it. I don't like it. I believe in gentle parenting and I believe based on what I've seen as a parent, you know, if you don't weaponize feelings or emotions, they don't respond so aggressively to him. So like the, you know, quote, tantrums that he would have, because they weren't really tantrums. He would get really upset, you know, if people didn't listen to him or if he felt unseen or unheard, he would get upset. And I get that, right? But the second that I told him, hey, you're allowed to feel your feelings. If you're sad, cry. If you're happy, laugh, you know, do whatever you want to do. And if you can't do it at school, I want you to come home to me and tell me about it. And I'm always going to be here to listen to you, you know, gentle parenting. And since then, the tantrums have stopped. Imagine that. And he made a comment one day, the teacher, you know, made a comment one day about how much better he had gotten. And it's like, yeah, well, (laughs) stop drawing attention to it. And that's what they tell you, um, like speech therapists, told my sister because her, my nephew was, um, he had a stutter and my sister was like, you know, what do I need to do about it? And the speech therapist said, don't mention it. Like don't bring attention to it because it's one of those things that's probably going to go away. But the more you call attention to it, the more it's going to manifest essentially. I shouldn't say that word, but that's really what it is. Right. So same thing with these like tantrums. If you draw attention to it, you know, it's just going to, it's just going to become worse because then everyone's so hyper aware of it and, you know, focused on it. But if you allow these people to just have their freedom, kids, you know, are still people, allow them to have feelings and same with adult, allow yourself to have feelings. It, it doesn't manifest in an unhealthy way and you can kind of move through the flow of emotions with through the path of least resistance, right? So that's what I'm working on is taking off the mask and allowing myself to just feel and expose my true self and expose my true self even though I don't necessarily know what that looks like. And even if I'm only letting my mask slip, you know, five seconds at a time, I'm celebrating those rather than shaming myself. I'm celebrating like, well, you got five seconds. Good job. And it's positive reinforcement because I'm parenting myself. And that's what um, Gabby Bernstein, I can't remember who it was that she said originally came up with it, but it's called IFS. And she practices that internal family system. And it's basically where you have all the parents think inside out from Disney. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. But um, there's like in every person's head, there's these five emotions, but they're all like separate people. You know, there's disgust and joy and sadness and anger and what's the other one? Um, oh, my God. Maybe there's only four. Anyway, I digress. But letting those um, feelings show up and letting those, you know, internal voices, those internal parents kind of reinforce positive behavior and not shame you for negative behavior, but kind of gentle parent you to say like, okay, well, if no one else is going to allow you to feel your feelings, I'm going to, you know, and just allowing yourself that space and holding that space for yourself and also holding that space for other people. Because if you can be a safe place for other people, the reward is just immeasurable. And, you know, I had a friend who was telling me the other day her 
one of the guys that she's seeing is going through something really difficult, really, really, really difficult. Um, and she was telling me like, he's, he's losing his sight and I don't really know what to do. I wasn't going to share it cause I didn't want to, um, you know, expo- I don't want to like expose anyone's like privacy or disrespect privacy, but I'm not saying any names. Anyway, the guy she's seeing is losing his sight and it's been happening, but it's, it's declining more rapidly. And she's like, obviously I have no idea what that is like and I cannot imagine. So she's like, you know, sometimes the only thing I can do is listen to him and sit there and just kind of sit there and listen. And I was like, you, what you're describing is holding space for someone and you do a fantastic job of that. She's great at holding space for me. She's the one who drove me down to my, um, my plane ride. And I was so nervous and anxious and she wasn't trying to give me a pep talk. She wasn't doing any of those things. You know, she would say encouraging words, but for the most part, it was just kind of like, I'm here, you know, if you need anything. And, and I, I didn't need anything. It's that same thing that I was offering my son is like, and he doesn't come, he comes to me when he needs to, but actually I don't need to that often now that I know I can, you know? So it's like, she said, if you want to complain about, and there would be times where it's like, Hey, I'm really scared. I'm nervous. And she's like, okay, well, you know, that's okay. And then we would do little things to change those feelings or to like deal with those feelings. And then they would be gone. And I told her, you know, you're holding space. And that is the greatest gift that you can give people. Because I think a lot of times, especially in situations that we don't know how to handle, like a friend losing a spouse, I have no idea how to navigate that territory. But I don't have to. And honestly, I think it's easier sometimes for the people who are grieving to not be um, told how they should feel or what to do or what's going to make it better. You know, they don't, they're not looking for advice. They're just looking for a safe space to exist. And I think the greatest thing that we can do for them is just to give them that space and allow them that space to to feel things. Because just knowing that you have space to feel things sometimes is all that you, all that you need. Um, and that's all I have today. Honestly, I feel like I went all over the place with that tangent, but I appreciate you guys so, so much for listening. And this community is everything to me. And, you know, we are the safe space for you to come and community has been a big word for me. You know, I told you yoga means union and my slogan for the podcast is united and trauma. Like everything is connected is a big theme for me. So we're all connected and there are people listening all over the world. And it actually is crazy if I start thinking about it for too long. But I want you guys to know, everyone who's listening, I am a safe place for you. I want you to feel like you can come to me if you ever need anything. And you can follow me. I will, I need to come up with a um, a better form of communication for like Instagram or something for the podcast because I have one but I don't ever use it but um so my other one is at Bravo Bitch Fest that's TikTok you can follow me at the Dahlia Bradshaw D-A-H-L-I-A Bradshaw on TikTok and I am at underscore Bravo Bitch Fest on Twitter um but if you want to send me an email Dahlia Bradshaw at com. If you ever want to reach out, I am 
I am available. Like I, I really mean it when I say that I can be a resource, even if it's for nothing else. Like even if I'm not qualified to give you any, because I'm not a therapist. You know, I'm not licensed to handle uh, like diagnosing or anything like that. But I can be a safe space, and I want to create a community between us where we all feel safe and comfortable um, to come to each other and kind of be each other's safety net when no one else will be. So thank you guys again so, so much for listening. I love you so much and I'll talk to you guys all later. Bye.